Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Democracy-ish. I'm Torre. And I'm Danielle Moody. And it is a long, long day, I imagine, for R. Kelly as the reality starts to sink in that this Mm -hmm. prison that he thought maybe was a temporary thing is actually going to be a long-term stay. I, I, I imagine you're looking at life. I imagine that R. Kelly is never going to see the outside world again. I don't think that R. Kelly is ever going to breathe free air again, except for the little walks that they take in in the prison guard cell area. That's where R. Kelly is going to spend the next He lived like a king Mm -hmm. for years. Decades. And now... Will finish out the last years and years of his life in hell. You know, it's so appropriate and fitting. And I, you know, and let me let me not say this because I really hope that the fuckery that went on with the overturning of Bill Cosby's sentence. I really hope that everything. I, I pray that it's different because it was sex trafficking because it's federal charges. Federal that that it is. You know sealed and ironclad, but the hell that R. Kelly, the hell that we learned about that R. Kelly created for his victims for years and years. And I mean, the amount, the industry that we learned about, the industry that was created in order to bring these broken people to R. Kelly to abuse. I mean, it is mind blowing what you're able to do if you have some talent and some wealth and celebrity in this country, what people allow you to get away with. If the feds were able to get nine people to testify that he molested or raped them, there surely is way more out there who they couldn't find or they didn't know or couldn't coerce to testify or what have, Like, I mean, it's just been decades of uh, raping underage girls molesting people, molesting men, uh, uh, boys, uh, being physically violent toward Mm -hmm. women, 
it, it, it's this is a true danger to society. Yes. This is a true predator who used to drive around Chicago and go to the re- high schools at recess and chat up the girls and it'd be like, who you know, back in the 80s, you're too young to remember this, but back in the 80s, people used to be like, oh, we're scared to have our kids go to a Prince concert or a Guns N' Roses concert. Mm-hmm. Who knows what could happen? We really were right to be scared to have our 14 and 15-year-old daughter, sister, cousin, whatever, going to an R. Kelly show because he really was trying to get with her. If she lived in the Chicago area, he really was trying to get with her. I just, the the fact that R. Kelly would drive his car as an adult man to hang outside of a high school. I mean, you remember those videos that they would put up of like what a predator, what a rapist like would do. Like here, little girl, here's some candy. That is literally what R. Kelly was doing. Yes. He's going to these high schools. He's going to these areas that are also, you know, what is worse about it is going to people that are impoverished, going into mm. places where you know that families, right, which we have learned, literally sold their daughters, right? Mm. Like, here is my 13-year-old. I know that you may have a bad rap or whatever, but, you know, I haven't really seen it because, you know, I love to listen to some black folks that are like, well, I didn't see it, so then it must not have happened, right? The fuck out of here. But who literally sold their daughters and and justified it to themselves that, well, you're you know, you need to help out with the family. We need our lights on. He's sending us money. He's sending us checks. And it, and it's literally, they put them up for sale. And so I think about that and I, and I wonder, and this is the thing, is whether or not any of those parents are going to be charged in any type of way. There's a whole universe of complicity that, is also part of this web and there's no sympathy for R. Kelly and there's no excuse to be made, but there are other people who are part of this Mm -hmm. situation. There is somebody from R. Kelly's camp who knew that Aaliyah was not 18 and coerced uh, through financial means, coerced a Chicago, a Cook County official to create a false marriage certificate. There was a person in the Cook County Registrar's Office who took that money and knowingly created a false marriage certificate and knowingly created a false birth certificate so that she could get married. A seam 18. There is the label that did nothing. There are the streamers who continue to play his music, the concert promoters who even like BET, just as one of many examples. I interviewed him for BET, 2008, mm-hmm. looked him in the eye and said, do you like teenage girls? And he did not immediately say no. And there was a crisis manager there, so he was prepared for the interview. That is the simplest question I could have asked him. Easy just to immediately say no. But his response, how old are we talking? <gasps> And my my facial response kind of told everybody, like, you've got to be kidding me. Now, we can talk more about the interview, but. How, the, that was his verbatim, how old are we talking? How, do you like teenage girls? How, and how old was, just 
around about how old was he at this time? Because again, he was not in his 20s in 2008. We're not talking about, oh, you're, it's a five-year gap. We're talking about... It's mid-30s. Yeah. Mid to late 30s. So I don't give a damn if they if there is a teen at the end of your age, you are off limits. But look, look, I, I have a hard time. Like, in, in my life, if I should encounter a teenager in my family or whatever, like, it's hard to talk to them as a grown person. Like, what can we talk about? What is it? And he's having relationships with them? I, I, I don't understand how you could. But he aired this interview it got huge, gigantic ratings. The next day, R. Kelly's people called and said, stop running the interview. And BET immediately said yes. <gasps> it aired one time, despite gigantic ratings, it aired one time because BET said, okay, we won't run it again. It wasn't even like a major conversation among executives. It was a quick decision. Yes, we will not run that again, ever again. Wow. Whatever you want can go right, and we go right back to running his videos. MTV, excuse me, BET was the prime place that played Trapped in the Closet, you know, a million times where people saw. So they were part of- The complex. The complex of protecting mm-hmm. him. He is somebody who makes a lot of money for us. So we're going to get, I mean, I don't know. Did they think that this interview would whitewash him and make it seem like it was okay to go back to the R. Kelly business? Like, I don't know what you thought, you know, like really, if you thought, if you, if you thought it through, cause they knew who I, who I was, <laughs> they'd seen my work. They would have said, Torre is going to do a real interview and it's going to screw it up the party for everybody. Don't let him do it. Right. But if they knew I was doing it, what did you think was going to happen? But I'm just so, you know, here's where I'm confused because networks base their bread and their butter on what ratings, the higher the ratings, the more advertisers the more sponsors that you're going to be able to get. But their assumption and the quick turnaround in just squashing the interview they believed that R. Kelly was going to bring in more revenue. I guess they thought. Even though at that time, his his character was already in question. He had already been through trials already at this point. There had already been at least one trial. There was, I imagine there was the perception that the long-term R. Kelly business, R. Kelly video performing at our events business was better than one interview that they could air, you know, once or twice more and get whatever. But I mean, like BET in general was all about uh, protecting the artists, being there for the artists first, you know, being, being artist friendly. So we are here to play ball. I mean, like that old school radio vibe. We are here to take care of what you guys need. Um, That interview was very contentious. He was very nervous at the beginning. Remember his leg shaking. I kind of complimented him in the beginning in terms of his music to sort of like loosen him up. And then I had started to talk about, you know, the trial and trying to get at the trial. And I remember him being like, I remember trying to talk to him about underage girls and he was like, no, I don't like 
12 and 13 year olds that's disgusting and so he's framing in in his mind he was framing what was disgusting but then also by virtue of saying that what in his head was acceptable well i guess i felt like it was a rhetorical trick like i'm going to define underage as 12 and 13 and reject that answer no i don't like 12 and 13 year old girls so and then the big moment that everyone's seen i said do you like underage girls and his crisis manager jumped up this sort of older suited white man looked like he could have been from france or something um he leapt up and he's like no you can't ask him that and r kelly said no no i want to answer this question and so then he sat down so i was like okay a lot of people want to know this. Let's have it straight out. But I'm thinking he kept fudging with underage. Like that is something that you could play with the definition of. And I was like, I need something more specific that he cannot like wriggle out so of. So do you like teenage? Like teenage because teenage, you can't define it in your own way. Right. Now it also means 19 year olds. But, but it means like, 13 to 19. Yes. Do you like teenage girls children and he said well how old are we talking <laughs> do you think Tori? because you know you have interviewed- and he came i'm sorry and then he came around and i said 19 and younger like teenage like needs to here's be defined. clearly because you don't understand and he said well i have 19 year old friends but i don't like anybody underage if that's what you're saying but like it was like the train had already left the station people had already decided you know he didn't immediately say no so you know you just came off this trial like you know we've been thinking i mean like we knew you liked Aaliyah. we saw it we saw you flirting with her on bet with donnie simpson we saw the marriage certificate this show From the New Yorker staff writer Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions, questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood that forced David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from Mac Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities. Healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country. Immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun. And candidates in states with razor thin margins. Listen to Build the Change Now wherever you get your podcasts.
was part of the Pro-Democracy Podcast Coalition. The midterms are coming and it's more important than ever that we protect and fix our elections. We all know that our government is broken. Politicians spend more time working for themselves, their big donors, and their political party instead of for us. We as Americans have had enough of the corruption, partisan bickering, and gridlock. Look, I get that all the nonsense makes you want to tune out, but I'm here to tell you there's reason for hope. Our political system is broken now, but we can fix it. That's why we've partnered with Represent Us, a nonpartisan grassroots organization that has helped notch more than 160 victories to improve our elections and give power back to the voters where it belongs. Right now until November, there are many, many ways you can get involved. Represent Us is working in cities and states to pass good government policies like ranked choice voting. And they're also recruiting folks to help staff the polls. Let's protect our elections now and for generations to come. Visit represent.us slash pod to learn more. That's represent.us slash pod. You know, this is a guy who is illiterate. He cannot read or write. And yet he's one of the, undoubtedly he's one of the great songwriters of his time. So there's like a lot of weirdness, I think, just in this mind in general. Like there's like one part of his mind that is hyper-developed, great performer, great singer, great songwriter, producer, all of that. But then as soon as you leave the studio, he, he's a monster. He's a child. He's an idiot. He's an imbecile. He can, he can barely function in the world. But let me ask you this. Do you think that, because part of what really gets me about R- the R. Kelly's because he's not the only he's not the only monster. He is the biggest. He is one of the biggest ones that we have seen um, with regard to pedophilia, to rape, to assault, to whatever it is that you want to name um, his number of abuses. But it's the protection that his celebrity and the black community gave him for so many years. And I want to know if if it is in large part because of how black men are maligned, right, by society, by by the white mainstream at large, or is it also, is it an and or, or a, and also that we just don't protect women and we definitely don't care about black women and we definitely don't care about girls of color, right? Um, they're abused in their churches, they're abused in their homes, they're abused all over the place. And, and we as a society do nothing. And so I, I wonder if how this lasted for so many decades is because of, because of, is it, was it one or the other, or like the, the tempest of all of it together? I remember after we saw what Chris Brown did to Rihanna, and more than one black girl tweeting, he could beat me up. And I think the simple answer to what you said is both. It's both. We are reverent and loyal to our celebrities, especially our athletic and musical stars. Mm-hmm. They 
move us on a deeper level. They have mastered games that we have cared deeply about, like, you know, in our small communities, in our large community. Um, and we salute them. Um, and yes, also the misogyny that exists. And, w- and when I bring up the, the Chris Brown example, that is not to indict the women. That is internalized misogyny. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That this is what my body is worth and you can beat me up. I, you know, and I mean, like, look, you know, some people are into some things sexually choking or what have you you know and you can do that with consent what chris brown did to rihanna was just a plain old beat down right and that you know there was nothing consensual there was nothing fun you know no nobody wants to have a have a rough time in the bedroom and walk out with a black eye and blood and bruises like that's not and this happened also in a car right like but even following that, even because that was a really important time as well and an important incident that I, I feel like because these people can dance, because they make music, because they are artists, we just kind of turn the page. And, you know, right after that incident, Diddy opened up his house to both Chris Brown and Rihanna and For said... Her. For a rapprochement. For, for, for what? For, <laughs> for a reconciliation moment? Let's for... put them on the same plane so they can talk it out and come back together. You know, th- a lot of people have talked about how this... Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from Mac Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities. Healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country. Immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun. And candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Moment with R. Kelly is the first time that you see a court case where black women stood up against a black man and were heard and affirmed and justice, as far as they perceived it, won out. Do you look at this as a milestone, as a as an important chapter in this ongoing conversation or like, you know, R. Kelly got caught out there and we're still in the muck. I just don't, I, I find it very hard to look at this moment as a milestone. Mm -hmm. I find it so difficult to think that how many, you know, documentaries 
conversations, murmurings, like that did people hear for so long to get to this place? Like, mm -hmm. I, I think that I would have, maybe I would have considered it a win if we actually listened to black women and girls the first time that they say that they've been fucking abused and that we don't wait for, you know, pages and pages of women. I mean, it took, what, over 50 women to get to Bill Cosby and now that bitch is free, right? Like on a technicality, it took 50 women to stand up over since the 1970s when he started abusing women, right? And they just let him out. So I, I don't know if this is a milestone. I think, that, I think that what makes this case very interesting in the way that it has turned is that it was about the sexual industrial complex that allowed R. Kelly to survive. It was the assistants and the managers and this entire like trafficking industry that he created. It wasn't just the fact that he assaulted, oh, this, you know, this woman over here and this young girl and this thing. No, no, no. They actively went out and pursued and brought in woman after uh, girl after girl, child after child over so many years. I mean, you think about why we have to say Black Lives Matter because the society doesn't believe it inherently until we say it. Similar to, you know, before I was born, they said black is beautiful, mm -hmm. which was not a rejection of whiteness, but because we had been taught as a society that brown skin and curly hair and big noses, uh, you know, and big butts and all that were not inherently beautiful. And we had to have our own sort of like re-education campaign of mm -hmm. like black is beautiful. And now we have Black Lives Matter and, you know, maybe some of the, the, the wind from that leads to this happening. But at the same time, you know, Gabby Petito I, I was goes missing just say that. for one second and the entire FBI swoops in. There's many black and brown women I mean, who are missing. The amount and, and talk about this in the area that she went missing, it was. Molly Jung Fast, who wrote for Vogue, do you know how many Native American oh, women have been fucking missing in that same area? Do you know how many young, brown, indigenous women have gone missing in that same area, have been killed in that same area? And, we, and, and the media does nothing. And so when you have Gwen Eiffel, who came up with the, what was mm. it? The, the, uh, the, the white women missing syndrome. And that, and that is an actual thing. This is what the media does. They are now talking and I'm not, I'm not trying to disparage or def, you know, default her family in any way. Like if a family member of mine went missing, I would want to call for every sure. kind of attention in media and blah, blah. I wouldn't get it. Right. I wouldn't get it. But the fact that they are, the, the media talks about the legacy of Gabby Petito, the legacy, the legacy what legacy are you fucking talking about here? This is why they don't have to say white lives matter. Because white lives do matter. They are inherently valuable, especially a pretty white woman. Her life is inherently valuable. And the authorities from on high will rush in to help her after she's been killed. 
<laughs> right, because they, because, <laughs> you know, just to say, because the sure as fuck didn't rush in to help her when she asked for help. I mean, when she was still alive and in distress. I mean, look, I watched some of the cop talking to her. And it just reminded me yet again that police officers should not be social workers. Right. He should not have been in the position of deciding what happens here. A trained domestic affair social worker would have been able to look at the situation through Mm -hmm. education and experience and go, "Mm, you know, I think this is going to take more than six hours apart. I think it's going to be more than like one day apart. I think maybe like, you know. You guys should be, like, completely separate for, like, a while, mate. You know, not like some cop deciding, who should I take to jail? Um, nobody, because both of you guys are nice white kids. So, you know, right. it'll be fine. It'll be fine. He shouldn't have that power. When a call like that comes in, some woman or some man saying, I'm having a fight with my girlfriend, wife, husband, whatever. That should not be responded to by a police officer, that Mm -hmm. a social worker should be on call without a gun, without a badge, to be dispatched to the situation. Now, if the social worker gets there and says, I need backup, I need to, yeah, I need to escalate this. You know, like somebody has been hurt and it, it is a violent situation and this is a criminal situation, then. But we don't the so the police officers not and it's not a matter of like you know people said to me like well what if they have more training it's not a matter of a couple more months of training no they shouldn't be in the a, game at all a, a workshop is not going to right. a workshop is not just the same way that we say oh you know to to stop all of the Derek Chauvins of the world we just need training. we just need more training you're not going to train racism out of them you're not going to train hatred out of them but you know the training is not going to last more than three months even if it lasted six months if somebody is on, on the street day by day dealing with something be it a policing situation a military situation uh you know something that is neither of those a teacher whatever your experience will quickly outlive and outlast your training yep your in that workshop you had on the so i mean like you know it's not you have to training is not the answer to all of our a little more training is not the answer to all of our problems. You know, I, 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 again, I have no sympathy for R. Kelly, but when we try to piece together why this happened, he was molested twice as a child by a man and a woman, one in his family, one close to his family. And it's tragic to think about the folks who have had this happen to them and turn around and do it to mm-hmm. others. Mm-hmm. And it is no small number of people who had it happen to the, them and turn around and do it to others. And, you know, it's just, just in, a, in, a, in a search to understand what happened here. That is part of why he became a monster is because he was traumatized by adults who are close to him but we you know in this country we don't i I don't think anywhere i I, because i can't think of a country that maybe does this well no we don't help people 
unpack their trauma. We don't mm. deal with it. We don't, we don't set up in schools, right. With, uh, teams of social workers, teams of, you know, therapists to help, you know, young people unpack their emotions and what's going on and deal with them and have accountability and responsibility. There are reasons why people don't speak out when they are abused, mm. right? Because the reality is nine times out of 10, Nothing is going to be, nothing is going to happen, right? You're going to be ostracized from your family. If it's something that happens in the family, you're going to be thrown out. Like you are going to be the one that is the problem. Why couldn't you just, yeah. Why couldn't you just stay quiet and allow things to just, you know, subside? And I, and I, and I go back to the fact that because, you know, for far too long, what did, what did we tell women? We had to finally make it illegal to use what a woman was wearing in order to say, well, you weren't deserving of being sexually violated. That like what you were wearing wasn't your fault. Like that is new law. That's not that, that's not that, you know, that old, right? And it's crazy to think about it now, but like we still look at women as being the problem. Like, well, you know, Aaliyah, well, she must have enticed him. You know how many times I have seen like, well, you know, they knew what they were getting into. Like, why did they throw themselves at them in that way? And I'm like, Yo, whoa, 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 hold she up. Was so, so, the, so the children, the, 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 the teenagers are the problem in this situation right. and not the grown ass man. He was 27. She was 15. And she's the problem. She's here? the problem. And he doesn't. But let me tell you what we tell young girls all the time, and particularly in the black community, too, because we use terms like fast, right? Mm. Hot in the pants. Mm. We tell young girls from a very young age, pull down your skirt, close your legs, don't entice the man that is in the room, whether that be your father, your uncle, your cousin, your brother, the family friend. It is always something that is inherently wrong about young girls and how we sexualize them, that if you do not shrink yourself in every type of way, then whatever happens to you is your fault. Mm. That's what we have. That's what we set up. So then you have the operations of the R. Kelly's of the world, and they create these systems based on that inherent truth about how we treat girls in this country and in general. I remember... Uh, lightning bolt when I was talking to um, a woman who explained to me how as soon as she turned 13 and started to, you know, have a body, it was like night and day that like grown men were constantly making offers and making comments as a 13 year old. And she's like, this is common. Like as yep. soon as a girl Develops. starts to become a little bit of a woman, mm-hmm. all the men in her vicinity are shining a light on her. Not just looking, but making offers and solicitations and comments and like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. It's why you have, you know, these these projects and these campaigns to protect women, to believe women, to listen to girls, to educate girls and, you know, and all of these things. But I often wonder, I think that we, we fail, we continue to fail in a way because we don't have the same campaigns and the education programs for men. 
There is no, no. teach your sons. No. Right? There is no educate your sons. It's always about focusing on the girl, which is important. But I'm like, how does rape and assault happen? I mean, you know, yes, we are telling every girl, protect your drink. Right. Wear, you know, have mace. Think do about what the, you wear. Right. Mm-hmm. Go in Hold pairs. Hold your keys in your hand. Do this, that, and the yeah. other thing. Go places in pairs, these mm-hmm. sort of things. And we are not sending the same messages to men. I, I wonder if it's partly because every woman is at risk of having something happen to her. And we understand that it's really just a fraction of men who are willing and able to do this to women, right? So is, is that part of where the imbalance comes that like the, the, the predators are a fraction and like reaching them is hard. And like, you know, yes, we could tell more boys, you know, don't rape, you know, if it seems wrong, it is wrong. Um, you know, you, you know, you need active consent. And I know in, 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 in college at this point, One the conversation five. of active consent is, is really yeah. Um, vibrant and tangible and real. I mean, just think about the fact that you have university, you're dropping your kids off in August, right? And one in five girls that are being dropped off are going to be sexually assaulted. That is the number. And as a matter of fact, when Betsy DeVos was heading up Mm -mm. our Department of Education, Mm -mm. had decided that Schools and universities shouldn't have the power to expel men, sexual predators, right? Because women I mean, lie. I mean, yeah. like, I mean, they, like the ways in which that administration rolled back protections for women and girls in in universities and in schooling was wild. But it's just like this. The constant is always for girls to protect themselves and never to teach boys and men to be fucking better. I think and that and that to me is just. It, it's like it's how we, we, some, it's how you create monsters. There is some education toward men. Like I'm saying, the younger generation is saying, um, you know, we, we need consent. We need active consent. You know, mm-hmm. these that I mean, you know, my my, my kids um, were taught about that in school, and they're like ninth and seventh grade, right? Um, it's just. Um, I think there is a desire to save the women from the minority of men who are willing and able to do this. Yeah. I just, I, I, I wish that, you know, when the announcement came down this week about R. Kelly, that there was an overwhelming chorus of people that were providing applause for this conviction finally coming down after so many years of rumor and innuendo and it actually being a thing. But there are still, I mean, just in the comment sections on some of the Instagram pages that I follow and Twitter accounts, there are still those that are just like, oh, but he's so talented. Oh, the talent is gone. Like, does that mean that I still can't listen to the music? Does that mean that I still 
you know, I, I can't buy, I can't buy the album. Does that mean that we all stop stepping in the name of love? And I'm like, it wasn't that great. Yeah. Like, I, I just don't understand till this day how people continue to justify going to Bill Cosby's shows, like justify the fact that Bill Cosby just said that oh R. God. Kelly was railroaded. Oh, my God. Right? Because that's the fucking person that you want in your corner. Is oh Bill, my God. If Bill Cosby's in your corner, run in the other direction. I mean, we're still listening to Michael Jackson. Like, that documentary didn't happen. I I don't understand how that happens. You know, some people have taken this really, really, really far. And um, the desire to forgive these people is kind of insane. It just, it shouldn't happen. And I wish that, you know, and I'm not. How is Chris Brown still just like. Because you know, I mean, they like, think I can... it, because everybody, you know, and maybe it was a one-time incident. Maybe he's not a you know a a serial uh, physical you know abuser. Um, who knows? But I know that he was just given like a total and complete pass, and there was a missed opportunity to have a conversation about domestic violence in the black community, about you know misogyny and you know abuse of women in hip hop and in videos and all of these things. There was an opportunity to open up that conversation and to say, okay, that he was a product of abuse, and so you know, he needs therapy and he needs these things. And, you know, I've learned my, like there was an opportunity for a road, a real road to redemption and real conversations to be had. But instead we swept it under the rug so that he could keep dancing on top of it. That's what we did. Thank you for listening to democracy ish. (sighs) (laughs) This issue is exhausting. Spiritually exhausting. It's spiritually exhausting. (laughs) 